Some people told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all their Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard, and when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to read you just a short little passage, a little example from St. Therese of Sue that she details in her story of a soul. I would like to try and make you understand by a very simple comparison how much Jesus loves souls, including imperfect ones, who entrust themselves to him. Imagine that a father has two naughty, disobedient sons, and when he comes to punish them, he sees one of them running away in fear and trembling knowing in his heart of hearts that he deserves to be punished. While his brother does the opposite, he throws himself into his father's arms, telling him that he is sorry to have hurt him, that he loves him, and that he will prove it by being good from now on. Then, if that child asks his father to punish him with a kiss, I don't think that the happy father could harden his heart against his child's filial trust, knowing his sincerity and love. Of course, he knows that his son will fall into the same faults again and again, but he is ready to forgive him every time, if his son catches him by the heart every time. In this particular passage from St. Therese of Lisieux, she details for us, in a perhaps more simple way, what our Lord tells us in today's Gospel, something that we all need to be grateful for, which is the patience of God. God's patience with each and every one of us. As, you know, the first part, it seems like it's blood, death, murder, intrigue, towers falling. But ultimately, the last example is where we need to take a true call. A call for us to be thankful to the Lord for his patience with us. In the example of the fig tree that is bearing no fruit, we hear the example of the man who owns the fig tree who planted it, saying, cut it down. There is no fruit. But instead we see the gardener who is an image of Jesus Christ, an image of the one who cares for us, saying, no, let me cultivate it for another year. Let me try and see if it will bear fruit, put some extra attention into it. And then, if it does not bear fruit, then you may cut it down. In Teresa's example, we see that the two sons have very different, different responses to 
their wrongdoing. One, in fear and trembling, runs away, knowing that they deserve to be punished, knowing that they deserve what is coming to them, they think. Whereas the other child, the other son, instead, trusting that his father is merciful, trusting that in other times, whenever he has fallen short, whenever he has failed, whenever he has sinned, trust that if he throws himself upon the Lord's mercy, it will be shown to him again as it has been shown to him previously again and again and again. And we too need to have this same trust in God's providence, not taking it for granted. Because I think I would add a third example to Therese's example, something that I do often see, indifference, coldness of heart in our approach to the Lord. We think, my sins aren't really that great. I'm not an axe murderer or anything like that. So, like, not a big deal. And we sort of take the Lord's love, his forgiveness for granted. I don't need it. I'm not one of those bad ones. But this is completely wrong. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as St. Paul tells us. Each of us is in need of that mercy. Each of us are each of those two sons. Each of us have failed, have sinned in some way, and are in need of his love, of his sincerity, of his forgiveness, without which we are dead in our sin, without which our case is hopeless. But because of him, we have every reason to hope. Every reason to hope that God, who's created us for himself, desires to bring us back to himself that he has given us time to repent. If you are here today, if you are within the church still today, there is still hope. There is always hope. None of us is a hopeless case, not because we merit it on our own or because we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but instead because God is merciful. He is patient with us, and he desires for us to be reconciled to him. And this is so true that even as we sit in this church now, there are confessions being offered. It's coming Thursday, we'll have confessions from 6 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. The Lord desires for you to be reconciled to him. He provides opportunities through your priest for you to receive his loving consolation in that sacrament, to receive his grace abundantly, that the forgiveness that he doled out on the cross by his blood can wash over you, make you new, help you to experience your divine filiation that is your divine sonship or divine daughtership, to restore you to the state that you had at your baptism. That is what he desires for each and every one of you. So do not grow indifferent. Do not run in fear and trembling, because people do fear sometimes. If I go in and tell my sins, Father will never look at me the same. If I go in and tell my sins, I may not be forgiven. And it's all lies, all lies. The Lord does desire to forgive you. He does desire to reconcile you to himself. He is patient. We have not suffered the fate of the Galileans, 
and the people who died in the fouling of the Tower of Silver. You're still here. We still have our chance. Our hope burns brightly because he offers it to you again and again and again. We are not lost, but instead we are treated with great kindness, with great mercy and great care by the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the confessional, and then as we persevere beyond the confessional to not fall into sin again, because it's a necessary part. A necessary part of that other son's approach is that he promises not to do it again. We call it a firm purpose of amendment in technical terms. That we desire to go forth and sin no more. To not fall again. Even when we do end up falling again, we always need to desire to not fall. It's an absolutely necessary aspect of forgiveness, of receiving mercy in the confessional. The Lord wants to restore you to life. And after receiving his mercy in the confessional, the Lord then continues to offer his help by giving you him very, his very self and the Blessed Sacrament and the Eucharist, which is offered to us again and again and again. And yet, so many fail to recognize the gift that is here. Those who no longer come to Mass don't recognize the very God-man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. Heal the blind, the lame, the mute, the deaf. That same one can also heal our ills. That same Jesus Christ wants to heal the ills of your heart. Those places where you still hurt, where you still grieve, where you are still in pain. He wants to console that. And all he asks in return is the consolation of your heart with its brokenness, with its pain, with its wretchedness, and then even your good intentions. That is all he asks in return. But yet people do not come. But then it's even within these walls. People still approach our Lord with cold hearts, not recognize what it is that they receive. Remaining upset with something that someone told them before Mass, something they heard the priest say in the homily, or just a desire to get on to the rest of their day. But yet God breaks into our experience, humbles himself, under the appearance of what looks like a little white host to offer us more than we could ever deserve, ever imagine, or ever truly receive and be grateful for. So may we respond as the young son does, as the other son, not the young son, with hearts of desire to be reconciled to him, the desire to say, I'm sorry, the desire to say, help me to do better, Jesus, give me the grace that I need to serve you better, to love you more. Help me to see how truly present you are in the Blessed Sacrament. What a gift it is for me to be here today, and if I'm in a worthy state of soul, to receive you. 
what a blessing it is to be here. As we heard St. Peter exclaim last week in the Gospel, Lord, it is good that we are here. It is good that we are here. It is good that you are here. But we must respond in kind, with hearts that aflame with love for him, with a desire to serve him in everything we do, and those around us, our spouse, our children, parents, friends, family. He is so good to us. He pours down manna for us in the form of the Eucharist, giving his very life to you. And the question remains, if he is willing to give himself to you, are you willing in return to give him your heart?